2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to MAD Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain but to educate and teach you, so call me at one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Forget about the stock market. In this environment, it's a misleading generalization. Right now, we have multiple roving bull markets and bear markets all over the place. And that's what defines the action these days, including today. With the Dow advanced 28 points, S&P inched up 0.04%, and the NASDAQ dipped 0.23%. A bull one day can turn into a bear the next day, and vice versa. Sometimes that happens even intraday. So let's tick them down individually, because you need to evaluate this market sector by sector not the S&P. Why don't we start with oil and gas, which had a nice rally today. When it comes to energy, we have a big problem in this country. Much of the new oil that we're finding, by the way, we're now the largest producer of oil in the the world, uh, is in the Permian Basin that's out in West Texas. Uh, and That means that the oil is basically landlocked. There's not enough pipe to take it to the Gulf Coast where it can be refined or shipped overseas. That's why this kind of crude from the Permian trades at a big discount to the global price. Today, the oil roared, Brent crude touching 80 bucks, West Texas crude rising to 70. And at that price, our producers can make a lot of money at the Permian, even if they take the oil to market by truck or by rail, I mean, whatever, this group is on fire. This is a violent move, hence why a major independent like Diamondback, symbol FANG can rally more than four bucks in a single session. That's total bull market behavior from a group that had been in bear market mode for ages. Now, you could argue that one day it's not a bull make, but it just, uh, not many people are betting on oil these days. Everybody's pretty much underweighted, and recommending these stocks is such a contrary call that I bet some analyst comes out tomorrow and calls a bottom in the whole sector. If the oils start getting some sponsorship, I bet their stocks can go up substantially and big from here. My favorite, we've been telling ActionAlertsPlus.com club members that BP, yeah, the old British Petroleum, is the cheapest and fastest growing of the majors. It's got a bountiful 5.71% yield. The second roving bull market, the soft goods stocks. Now, this is a stealth bull. It's been building ever so quietly, perhaps because of the weak dollar. suddenly, perhaps because investors want yield, or maybe just because the stocks have been down for so long they look up to me and they finally, well, I got to tell you, people start liking the valuations. Let me give you an example. One that I really don't really care for at all because it hasn't been able to make an acquisition is Kraft Heinz. They got a 4.2% yield. There's always the possibility that the company finds a business to acquire or maybe a way to split, break itself up to create value. I wouldn't put it past them. They're smart guys. Procter and Gamble and Kimberly Clark have been biding their time. They both have roughly 3.5% yields. Bond market's not going to give you that kind of return anytime soon. Plus, I think the price increases that announced last month, they are sticking. That's a very bullish sign. And by the way, even as I was putting together this piece, I was thinking, well, Kellogg has been doing well. And Colgate's doing well. Estay Lauders back. They all fit that same pattern. Final bull market, the telcos. That's right, the telcos. I'm here I'm thinking Verizon, AT&T. See that stock today? Up big. CenturyLink. Sprint and T-Mobile. They all moved up smartly. Here's the strength. It, it, it isn't just in the dividends. I mean, yeah, ATT's got a 5.9, uh, 8% yield. CenturyLink has a 94 yield, and I think that's actually safer than I thought at one point. Uh, But the rallies in T-Mobile and Sprint smack of somebody knowing something about how the federal government is going to handle that prospective merger. I actually like all these stocks, but I've been aggressively positive on Verizon and T-Mobile. Perhaps the move signals the Sprint-T-Mobile combo will allow the cutthroat price competition to finally end. I think the telco carriers have more room to run. All right, now, how about the roving bear markets? Holy cow, did we have some hideous action in the semiconductor stocks? This morning, Goldman Sachs, whose stock, by the way, ain't doing so well, uh, either down 11 straight days, uh, Goldman lowered the boom on Micron, the gigantic commodity chip maker that's focused on DRAMs and flash memory. Now, these are the building blocks of all sorts of devices. Micron peaked at 64 at the end of May. It's now at 41. That's the definition of a bear market. The semiconductor capital quit makers are also in a horrendous bear market mode. Lamb Research, which you know we think is a fantastic company and a frequent guest on the show, has seen its stock fall from 234 to 150. No sign yet of a bottom, even though it now yields almost 3%. I'm just waiting for the downgrades. Same goes for applied materials. This stock was at 62 not that long ago. 38? now. I mean, that's a mauling. We had NXP Semi on last year. Remember Rick Klemmer? and I me? Mean, I think they did a pretty good job. In big analyst meeting yesterday, the company was the subject of a takeover bid from Qualcomm. It traded as high as 125 But now that the deal is kaput, it hit a 52-week low today of 84 bucks. Although it ultimately bounced off that to 88 That's actually pretty positive. The only unscathed chip maker is AMD. Last night, we also spoke to CEO Lisa Su. And she traced out her long-term plans to excel in gaming the data center and the PC. Oh, the stock's so hot. It's up another 7% today. It never quits even after uh, market closes. And you know what? Was, this isn't a fly-by-night move. It, there were 196 million shares traded. Now, I think you probably want to cool, let the stock cool down a bit before jumping in. It's obviously some gigantic institutions are buying up stock. Still, I'm a huge believer in Sue and her company. Might as well mention, by the way, since everyone else is talking about it, that Apple got hit today. Uh, it had run up in advance of the new iPhone launch and predictably went right back down uh, when they were unveiled. Nothing new there except for the fact that I got to get a new watch and I just got this watch. And I like this watch, but you know what? I got to upgrade because the next one's got a lot of health to it. Next bear market is social media. Today we had a couple of incredibly negative notes about Snap, basically saying that this business is slowing dramatically. That reflected poorly, of course, on Facebook, which is still battling its own demons, and on Twitter, which is reeling from the suggestion that a huge number of its users simply don't exist. I know this is a small cohort, but it is important. Lately, I've been hearing half-hearted defenses of Facebook. I believe the stock's declined from 218 to 162 smacks of bear market behavior. We actually sold some for the Chapel Trust the other day because we still got a real big gain. Don't want to give it back. I could see FB sinking to the March low of 149 if we don't get some good news soon. Any good news, uh, you know what? The taint of the bear market also spilled over to Alphabet, which saw its stock fall in 18 bucks. I mean, yeah, it's a big cap stock, but uh, you know, I think it's stupid. But if Congress wants Alphabet in the same breath as Facebook and Twitter when it investigates social media, it's only fair that the owner of YouTube gets mauled, too. Oh, boy. Next, we got a textbook bear market in the emerging markets. You know, I don't really care for those. Hang Seng uh, from Hong Kong down 21%. Russia, uh, down 20%. Greece, geez, off 29%. Shanghai index of much uh, mostly larger capitalization stocks, 26% down. Shenzhen, smaller cap, down 31%. Now, we batted around the notion of contagion on Scott Watner's halftime show today. I have historically tried to steer you clear of these areas, and I'm proud of that. Josh uh, Brown disagrees. Need to say, I think I'm right. You want to avoid the emerging markets right now uh, because it's all about politics, not business. And politics is totally unpredictable. We have no idea what's happening, even as we had an intraday spike on hopes of still one more diplomatic attempt to solve the China-U.S. trade war. Final bear market. The incredibly ugly action in the regional banks. SunTrust. Comerica, PNC, Regions Financial, you name it. Why? We keep hearing that loan growth has slowed of late, which is amazing given the small business optimism is off the charts. My old friend Stephanie Link told me on Halftime that there's just too much competition among the banks, including from non-bank outfits. I want you to think of places like Square that are increasingly giving small business loans against the receivables. I think this declines legs. I predict downgrades tomorrow. Bottom line, you need to remember these bulls and bears seem to change on a dime. But if you're caught in the jaws of the bear, you are going to get hurt real bad. All I can say is this, this is what September brings. It always brings this kind of action. And the bear market is roving sector to sector right now, searching for ways to take your money away. I say stay diversified and stay the course. There's nothing here that's going to change things longer term. We just need to get through this treacherous month to see what the last quarter brings us. Let's go to John in New York. John. Hey, Jim. My question is, what are your thoughts on Tilray and its latest activity, as well as its being purchased by different companies? Okay, so all we do is talk about Telray. That's all I do. I looked at I must have looked at this thing maybe a hundred times today. It started when it was up, when it was flat in the morning. I told my guys, Jeff and Zev and Beth, I said, listen, guys, Anthony, it's gonna be up 10 today. This thing won't quit. It's a big short squeeze. It is overvalued, but I cannot tell anyone to get in front of a pot stock and sell it. I just can't. Why? Because the animal spirits are too great. Is it worth what it's selling for? No. And I'm going to do a ton of stuff on, on uh, pot stocks as we go on through the rest of the year. But at uh, Tilray, I don't know. It seems expensive to me. Peter, Massachusetts, Peter.
1: Hey, Jim. Peter from Booyah, Boston.
2: There you go. Booyah, Boston, weighing in. What's up?
1: I've, I've owned a block of Philip 66 for over six years. I have a substantial gain. Since early this year, Warren Buffett has been selling off his position. And rumor has it he might have, exa- have exited entirely now. I happen to believe the refiners are a good place to be invested, but Phillips 66 is one of the best. Should I sell?
2: Well, look, if you're up really huge, there's nobody ever got hurt taking a little bit of profit, take some off, a little schnitzel, but I really like the situation. And remember, Warren Buffett's a smart guy, but this a cyclical business. He's probably just ringing the register. I don't think anything of it. Let's go to Leslie in Nevada. Leslie.
1: Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hi. I'm a very long-time listener. Hi. <laughs> and a, long-time, a long-term investor. Okay. Thank you for all the help. I'm interested in your expert opinion about Fortif FTV. It's splitting into two, Fortif and Ultra um, AIMC. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about splitting my position, but I would really appreciate your thoughts.
2: Thanks. Well, I gotta tell you, I think Fortif is one of the great companies. Fort's just been off of Danaher, we're showing up for the Child Trust. It reminds me very much of Advanced Six, which is spun off of Honeywell. Wow, the Danaher people, they just make you money and money and money. They never stop. Let's go to Charlie in California, please, Charlie. Hey, Jim. Hey, I Charles. want to know your opinion of the generic drug industry. Uh, I think it's too hard. I've always felt that there's, it's very hard, it's tough to have an to edge. I do to know what you think of Mylan Labs. No, too hard. It about this. Mylan's too hard. Wouldn't it matter if you said Teva? wouldn't matter. Like, the generic business is just too hard. I just don't like it. Uh, there's no enough barriers to entry. It's just a business that is always cutthroat. But you know what? I'm always willing to listen to the other side of the trade. The bulls and the bears changed on a dime. I want you to stay diversified. I want you to stay the course, and we're gonna get through this treacherous month together, but this is September behavior, believe me. On my money tonight, I've already coined the cloud kings, but could some cloud princes be waiting in the wings? I'm gonna reveal the names that could join the monarchy. Plus, some of the best stocks are your ideas. Then I'm focusing on two plays I first heard from you, uh, and boy, are they exciting, but I think they may be too hot. Uh, but first, we're also gonna have five below it might be known for its deals, but after it surged higher, after earnings, can one still be found in the stock? I got the CEO so excited about it. So stick with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
0: visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: You know, the retail resurgence is for real when a stock like five below can rally 15 bucks. From 115 to 130 in a single day. For those of you who don't remember, Five Below is kind of like a dollar star, only of course a little more expensive. They have a chain of 692 locations where everything costs five bucks or less. As I've told you before, this company has done a terrific job of creating a fantastic treasure hunt atmosphere, high-quality merchandise, and an incredible candy aisle, which you know I like. What was so great about this last quarter, the one that sent the stock exploding higher last week? Five below reported a seven cent earnings beat off a 38 cent basis, higher than expected revenue of 23 Percent year over year, Wall Street was looking for flat same store sales. Uh, uh they grew 2.7 percent. But the key here is that they opened 34 new stores. Five Below is the kind of regional to national story that investors like me covet. They think they can expand from less than 700 stores, mostly in the Northeast, to more than 2,500 across the country. And those and those better than expected same store sales tell you that this concept is viable. One of the many reasons I've repeatedly endorsed this Philadelphia-based chain. Plus. They don't seem to be taking much damage from the escalating trade war with China. Do not take this one from me. I am so excited about this. Let's bring in Joel Anderson. He's the president CEO of Five Below. Hear more about the quarter and where his Company's head of Mr. Anderson. Welcome, to man. Money, good to see sir. Jim, how are you? Oh, Joel, this is so exciting. Awesome. please have a Please. Um, thank you. Because I have admired your model for years, and we went with my when my daughters were younger. And I just want to know. I mean, this is the classic regional national story, isn't it? It is. We, uh, in
4: fact, we just hit our 33rd, uh, 33rd state last quarter. So <sighs> we still got uh, about 20 to go. And, uh, but it is, we've grown from the upper northeast, uh, home-based in Philly, you know right. well, and going national. Well,
2: one of the things I really like is that in this great slide in your deck, you're good in urban, you're good in suburban, and you're good in semi-rural. That's why this concept has tons of room. Amen.
4: Uh, In fact, some of our strongest opening stores have been in some of the rural areas. Abilene, Texas, we talked about in the first quarter, one of our best openings ever. As well as, you know, every time we open up here in in Philly and North Jersey, they all do well.
2: Okay, so why do you think it works so well
4: across the whole country? You know what? I, I think any retailer that has a differentiated shopping experience or is in the value space should win. And you know what? We believe we're doing both. You layer that in with an awesome associate base and uh, it works whether you're rural, suburban, or uh, right here in the urban area. But
2: you should also explain, I think, I mean, best in class new store economy. I mean, wait, these things pay back quickly.
4: Yeah, about seven months, Jim. So less than a one year
2: payback. Incredible, right? I know, look, we've been in retail, I've been in retail. That is unheard of. And you know that, that is an unheard of, That's why the stock could triple without a problem. I've been in retail a long time,
4: and I this know. is the best uh, new store
2: economics uh, we've, I've ever seen. You guys are disciplined. You go for profitable growth. Uh, you're going for 2020 vision for continued disciplined growth through 2020. That's a remarkable goal, you know. You know what, Jim? We
4: outlined that goal in 2016, right? and we gave him a five-year run rate, and we said our goal is 2020 through 2020, meaning we're going to move the top line 20%, and we're going to move the bottom line 20% plus. We're going to do it through 2020, and I'm happy to tell you we haven't missed it yet.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. We've had so many years of good things. Now, uh, some hedge fund guy said to me, oh, my God, they must source everything from China. They're going to get killed. I said, these guys source everywhere around the world. You're not hostage to any one country, right?
4: We're not. In fact, uh, we got a lot of product here. Obviously, we have some product from China. All our T-shirts are made in Honduras. Um, Some amazing apparel apparel here comes from
2: India, so really not hostage to any one country. Nope. How do you know uh, this is a very trendy business? Last year, everyone was afraid that you would be, that you, you know, it's Spinners, people say, oh, my God, next year, they are going to get killed because they don't have that. It didn't happen.
4: No, it didn't. In fact, uh, I think when the spinner craze was happening, they said, we're done.
2: Right. Right, And the shorts were all over you.
4: Yeah, well, we uh, chased a few of them away. So, uh, you know, this year it's been everything from squishies to bubblies to there's slime in here. Uh, You know, it's one thing after another. I mean, how fun is this item, Jim?
2: I mean. Love. 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 Love love also also, all your eagle stuff. (laughs) Girl, this is what you get. Now, one of the things that there's an amazing stack that you have. Okay. That 55% of the people who go to you have come from another store, meaning that they just are fascinated by five below.
4: Absolutely. We believe we generate about half our traffic, and we believe that people come in off of a, you know, a co-tenant that's in the area, and they just love it. And that's why the comps continue to happen. Right, Somebody right. discovers us, and then they keep on coming back. Well, so the real estate investment trust must love you. You know, uh, look, it's, it's been a tough run for real estate. Yes, it's really yes. coming around. And, you know, the, our real estate uh, landlords, you know, they want thriving retailers. Yes. We're a thriving retailer. We bring new traffic, and that's a, just a match made in heaven. One
2: last question. Sure. I, I, people don't understand retail. It has to be in your blood. I look at your full crew. It's in everybody's blood. Yeah. Well, you know what? What's
4: great about retail is you get feedback every day. You know, I played sports every week, every year growing up as a kid. You got feedback every day after the game. Retail's the same way. You wake up every morning, there's your sales. Did you win or did you lose? And you got to love that because it's
2: uh, got to be in your blood. Or- it's, it's a competitive spirit that is going to make it so you will have no problem going regional and national. That's why this story is so terrific. That's Joel Anderson. It's Five Below's president and CEO. I've told you, this is a real story that's got real legs all over the country. I think he's being conservative about how many Five Below's we can use in this country. We have money back up the break.
1: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric.
2: The last six months, I've been recommending the Cloud Kings, my seven favorite plays on cloud computing, which has become one of the hottest secular growth stories around. And if you've listened to me on these names, oh, man, you have done well. Among, uh, let's say, Adobe, Salesforce.com, ServiceNow, Red Hat, Splunk, VMware, and Workday coming right back, by the way, I told you. The Cloud Kings were up an astounding 14% and that's let's say, trouncing the S&P, which is up about 4% over the same period. There's just one problem with these Cloud Kings. They're all large. They're big, established companies. That means they can only grow so rapidly because they're already pretty huge. you got a law of large numbers thing going here. Now, don't get me wrong. I love these stocks and recommend buying them into any weakness, like I told you with Workday. I, I, you know, By the way, I feel the same way about Red Hat. Uh, you know what? Historically, these large, established companies are not, though, the ones that produce the biggest moves. If you're on the hunt for a turbocharged rally and you're willing to take some additional risk, You wanna search for smaller up and coming cloud companies that are still making their names. Drum roll, please, I've got them. Tonight, we're creating a new group. If you wanna own a cloud stock in your retirement portfolio, no, you buy one of the cloud kings. But if you feel like taking some additional risk in your speculative mad money portfolio, meaning uh, money you can afford to lose, you might wanna consider buying a cloud prince. So what is a cloud prince? The kings are all integral to the new ecosystem. Either they're leading purveyors of cloud-based software as a service, or they help other companies embrace and onboard the cloud. Salesforce.com, my favorite example on Chapel Trust owns it, they pretty much invented the idea of selling subscription-based software that you access via the web. The cloud princes do similar things, but these companies are earlier in their life cycle. They're still young and growing very, very rapidly. Hopefully, they'll someday grow into being king-size valuations of their own. The heirs to the throne. My staff is so smart. I didn't even know they used that. Again, that's why we want to identify these up-and-coming cloud stocks. They have the potential to deliver truly outstanding gains. I rolled out the Cloud Prince label a little over three months ago to describe Koopa Software. Just like a prince, Koopa describes itself in relation to a king. They say they're the Salesforce.com of expenses, a software company that helps other businesses manage their spending and find opportunities to, to cut costs. I recommended Coupa on June 1st. Since then, the stock has rallied more than 45%. That's a monster move in a very short period of time. Better than any of the cloud kings. See what I mean? So tonight, we're taking that template and running with it. So who makes the cloud prints cut? I got five new ones. Let's start with Tableau Software. That's a data analytics play. These guys, are, uh, they try to make uh, the power of big data available to people who don't have computer science degrees, like me. In other words, you don't need to be some kind of math genius to use their analytics platform. Now, Tableau is sort of like a long lost cloud prince. The company came public in 2013, and while its stock initially exploded higher, it got obliterated in early 2016, losing half of its value in a single day after a very ugly quarter. Remember, that was a bad day for LinkedIn, too. Salesforce went down in February. It was one of those things that happened in the week of my birthday. I mean, we were in San Francisco. Wow, it hurt. Tableau got hit with a big slowdown in new business, so the stock spent over a year in the doghouse. In 2016, Tableau was not a cloud play. Many people thought it was. They confused it. Their main business came from selling old-fashioned on-premise software. Since then, the company brought in a new CEO, Adam Slipsky. you probably heard his name. Adam won a bunch of times. He's taken the business in a new direction. Tableau's embraced the cloud and started selling its software as a service via subscription business model, like Salesforce. We've seen the same transition, by the way, from Adobe and then from the one we talked about last week with the Mia culpa, Autodesk. And both times, it's been very lucrative for investors. It's already paying off. By 2017, Tableau's revenue growth had slowed to a crawl, up just 6%. But thanks to the strength of their subscription business, 2018 has been very different. Tableau's total annual recurring revenue increased by 181% in the latest quarter, which translated into a 32% total revenue gain, massive acceleration, and and, uh, all thanks to the cloud. Stock has caught fire. It's up 66% for the year. You know what? It's not done. I think it has more room to run. Next we got one that I don't talk about that is insane. Insane, it's called HubSpot, which is a cloud-based marketing and sales software play. Their business is all about capturing eyeballs, helping companies manage their online content to bring in new users and sell more merchandise. They're masters of social media and search engine optimization, SEO. Last week, the company held its annual user conference called Inbound. They had 24,000 people attending. How could I not have been covering this darn thing? Mia Copa there, too. Management explained that they've now scaled to the point where existing customers will keep using their software, while new ones will be joined in by their track record. HubSpot has rolled out some free customer relations and marketing tools to help lure in new clients with the idea that they'll pay only for better software. They're also raising prices and targeting larger enterprises, which is a real sign of confidence. This stock sold off after HubSpot reported at the beginning of August, but the quarter was strong. It was up 39%, 38% of revenue growth. It, it, it's come roaring back, of course, to 38%. The growth guys can't resist it. I'd be a buyer on weakness. Third's one that you better be familiar with. It's called New Relic. Here's a cloud prince that's almost ready to become a king. New Relic's analytics platform keeps businesses, uh, lets them keep track of what their software is actually doing while showing them how users interact with, its real, with, with in it in real time. Basically, New Relic makes sure the digital trains run on time. You might already be aware of this one because we brought on CEO Lou Cerny, a half dozen times over the past few years. He's done a terrific job. And, yes, New Relic is just an anagram of Lou Cerny's name, C-E-R-N-E, New Relic, you know, now, over the past 12 months, this stock has rallied. I'm glad we featured these guys. You know, it's up 120 percent. 120 percent. It reported a surprise profit last year. I didn't think it was going to happen until 2020, 2019. And so far in 2018, they've continued to blow away the numbers. While the stock's been trading sideways for the past few months, I think it's just catching its breath after an epic move higher and it isn't done. Fourth, oh, man, I studied this company last night and the night before. I cannot believe these guys. Okta, O-K-T-A. This cloud prince is all about digital security. Okta helps companies with what's known as multi-factor identification, meaning they prevent networks from being infiltrated by imposters. If everyone's going to access their software via the web, yes, it's the cloud. You need someone to handle all the usernames and passwords and mother's maiden names. Otherwise, you might as well just hand all of your data over to the hacker's Okta reported yet another beaten race quarter last week, oh, geez, and sent the stock surging to all uh, new all-time highs. Hey, get this one. It's already up 185% for 2018. As far as the cloud princes go, Okta is as expensive as it gets. But let me tell you something. In April, I told you the stock was too pricey, and since then it's rallied another 83%. People are willing to pay up for growth here, although I'd like Okta to buy, a, you know, obviously for a pullback. Finally, there's one that we did introduce you to that I'm proud of, and that's Atlassian, the team, uh, the athlete tickered Team, T-E-A-M, which helps companies with collaboration tracking, communications, service management, and product development. Basically, Atlassian makes software for software developers. Think of this as kind of a meta cloud prince. In fact, it might be the purest way to play the cloud, because many of these companies develop cloud-based software, are using Atlassian's tools to do it. Now, Atlassian, it's already a $21 billion company. It's large enough to be actually a cloud king, but it doesn't quite have the track record yet. Still, the company keeps reporting terrific results, and they recently announced a big partnership with Slack. Boy, is that company worth a lot when it comes public. The usually popular big business collaboration platform. This stock has given us a gigantic run since we had the CEO, Mike Cannon Brooks, on the show last December, but I think he's got more upside. Remember, he came when he was, wasn't exactly uh, dressed as like I am. Trust me. Bottom line, these cloud princes are, uh, are more speculative, all right, these more, than the kings. They're faster growing, though, but they're also a lot more expensive. On average, they sell for 12 and a half times next year's sales estimates. Versus less than nine times sales for the kings. But if you're willing to take the risk, you might want to own some Coupa, some Tableau, HubSpot, New Relic, Okta, or Atlassian. As long as you know that what goes up can also come down and come down hard. Of course, at lower levels, I like all of these stocks even more. How about we go to Marcus in California, please, Marcus. Hi, Jim. Marcus. Oh, so good to hear from you. Uh, First-time caller, three-year watcher. Thank you for having me on. Oh, man, keep watching. Thank you so much. What action should I take with my stock IDTI, considering their potential... That's easy enough. We nailed that IDTI. We said it might get taken over. We had them on repeatedly. I think you just take the money and run. It's it's certainly a Steve Miller situation. Let's go to Sean in Wisconsin. Sean! Hi, Jim. Sean, what's up? Uh, I'm just calling. I just wanted to... Get your opinion on one of my best-performing stocks, uh, Arista Networks. Oh, um, man. Arista <laughs> Networks is terrific. And, you know, look, they settled all that nasty stuff with Cisco. And there's still nobody as good as uh, J- J- Sri Yulal. We had her on. The stock is a winner. I say stick with her. All right. These heirs to the throne are a little more speculative. If you're willing to take the risk, I think you want to own them and I will be adding to them over time, okay? Now much more man money had. They don't cost the most interactive show on television for nothing. Try to mind two names that were put on my radar screen thanks to you, Kramerica. Then small business optimism surged to its highest level ever. What it means for your for the market and for your money, and all your costs, rapid fire, tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. There's not, there's actual method to my apparent madness. My job is not just to come out here ranting and raving about whatever I feel like, although I'll admit there's plenty of ranting and raving. No, our mission on Mad Money is to help make you a better investor, which is why every night I take calls from regular people so that you can ask me about the stocks you're interested in. What could be more educational in answering people's questions? Usually, of course, with animal noises. <laughs> and when I don't know enough about a stock, I always circle back to it. After all, this is the most interactive show on television. Now, over the summer, we got calls about a couple of ultra-hot, I mean, really sizzling, speculative stocks. And tonight, I want to go over why they're both so strong and yet I think so risky. I'm talking about ShotSpotter and Turtle Beach. Before I say anything else, let me just make one thing perfectly clear. These are not the kind of stocks you put in your retirement fund. No, absolutely not. Turtle Beach, SpotShotter, they're tiny companies with stocks that have run up dramatically, and that makes them dangerous. When I say they're ultra-speculative, I mean that you shouldn't even think about owning them unless you have money that you can afford to lose. (laughs) It's what I call your discretionary mad money portfolio. I'm not saying you should buy them for your mad money stocks. I'm just saying, listen, there's no universe where it makes sense to buy them for your IRA or your kid's 529 college savings plan. But if you're young enough that you've got your whole life ahead of you to make back any lost money, then might they be worth buying? Let's take a closer look. On June 12th, Richard in Florida called in to ask about ShotSpotter, and that's S-S-T-I for you home gamers. It's an intriguing story, but it's attached to an insanely risky stock. Nevertheless, it is very cool. ShotSpotter makes software that helps police officers and security firms identify, locate, and respond to gunshots. Basically, law enforcement puts sensors in high-crime areas, then ShotSpotter's cloud-based software listens for gunshots and analyzes the sound to pinpoint the location. Obviously, gun violence is a serious problem in this country. Anything that helps police respond faster when there's a shooting is worth having. And that's why police in New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and many other cities already use SpotShotter's technology. Now, this stock has been white hot, more than quadrupling since the beginning of the year. Why? First of all, ShotSpotter is a cloud based software as a service play, and the cloud is one of the sexiest areas out there, as you know. Second, this stock is very reminiscent of Axon Enterprise. That's the company formerly known as Taser that we've been recommending. That's made a lot of people a lot of money as it transitioned into more of a cloud based play on evidence management software. Third, ShotSpotter itself is doing very, very well. The company recently reported a surprise profit. And still growing sales at a 50% clip. But perhaps most important, ShotSpotter caught fire because this is a small cap stock that suddenly gained some sponsorship from the Wall Street promotion machine. Ah. Going into this year, this thing was tiny with $135 million market cap. Then ShotSpotter started getting positive coverage from analysts, uh, including JMP Securities. Now it has a $642 million market cap, still very small, but a lot bigger than where it was nine months ago. Basically, the analysts put ShotSpotter on more popular people, hey, let's say on people's radar screens, including some large mutual funds. However, it's very difficult to recommend this thing up here. See, right now, ShotSpotter is trading at 19 times sales, not 19 times earnings. 19 times sales. That makes it more expensive than most of the cloud princes I recommended earlier. But with a much less proven track record, who knows what could go wrong here? Not me. In short, the stock is too expensive. My sense is that the easy money has already been made. Of course, I, I could have said the same thing in June when the stock was trading at 36 and now it's 59 The thing is, if anything goes wrong here, ShotSpotter is coming down. It's coming down hard. Therefore, I don't think it's worth the risk. Next up, on July 9th, my late father's birthday, Uh, We uh, heard from Greg in Texas. He wanted to know about Turtle Beach, which trades under the symbol HERE. This is a company that makes fancy headsets, including some very popular gaming headsets. And I got to tell you, this move here, it's downright stunning. Turtle Beach has rallied more than 1,100% year to date uh, from $1.81 to $22.50. Believe it or not, this is uh, my executive producer's uh, son's headset. I mean, he actually does this stuff. I mean, let me put it on again and see if I can get used to it. If you want to understand the strength of the video gaming business in general and esports in particular, this monster move tells the story. Turtle Beach actually came public years ago in 2010, and after roaring higher through 2013, the stock imploded. It spent years trading in single digits, pretty much left for dead. When Turtle Beach was trading at a buck and change late last year, there were very real questions about its viability as a going concern, just as there are questions about my viability as a going concern if I keep this thing on. Now, so what explains the stock's miraculous resurrection? How do you go from 2 to 22 in 9 months? Simple. This rally is all about the rise of these insanely popular Battle Royale games like Fortnite and Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. These are multiplayer games, so if you want to communicate with the competition, you need a headset. You can't really type when you're holding an Xbox controller, which, by the way, has AMD chips, and you see that stock is up with another couple. I don't know whether it was luck or good planning, but Turtle Beach was the first to market with an Xbox-compatible wireless headset last year. Just before this Battle Royale craze started uh, taking the world by storm, this came up. That's how this company can put up some truly astounding numbers. With its revenue growing more than 200% in the latest quarter and its earnings coming in at 40 cents a share, Wall Street was looking for a two cent loss. Wow. Oh, and Turtle Beach also more than doubled its full year earnings forecast. And that's how you get a thousand percent rally. But you know what the craziest thing is? Using the new forecast, buck 95 per share, Turtle Beach sells for just 11.5 times earnings. Unlike ShotSpotter, this stock is darn cheap. Why is that? Because most investors assume this level of growth simply is not sustainable. It just so happens that Turtle Beach makes the most popular headset that's used with the most popular video game around at the moment. But any number of competitors can make headsets, And even if they stay ahead of the competition, what happens when everyone within Xbox or PlayStation already has one of these? I should ask my executive producer, obviously her son gets some sort of school credit, or he wouldn't spend all the time doing this. I mean, Maybe this helps them get A's. I don't know. It seems to me to be a little frivolous. I get that people want something close to a pure play on Fortnite. I think, by the way, is peaking. But I can't recommend a company that makes headphones after its stock has run from a buck and changed to 22. Remember, Turtle Beach traded up to nearly 90 in 2013 before the stock imploded and came down to single digits. This is a boom and bust story, and not like Micron. I mean like serious boom and bust. If you own this one, here's what I think you should do. You should ring the register. If you want a company that makes headsets, I think Logitech, which is trading near 52-week high, is a safer, better bet. That's my favorite in the group, and Brack and Darrell, frequent Mad Money guest, is a terrific CEO. Bottom line, speculative stocks like Scattershot and Turtle Beach might seem really attractive, but at these levels, I think you've missed the move and you'd be better off steering clear of them. When there's too much heat, you need to get out of the kitchen. The only situation where you have my blessing to buy these, if you're young enough that you'll have the rest of your life to make back any losses, because I expect losses. Even then, I wouldn't do it unless you got money to burn. Mad Money is back after the break. It is time, it's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski-daddy, down for the lightning round. I might start with Bob in New York, Bob.
1: Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? I am doing Listen, well, I Bob. I have a little bit of Roku stock. It's just about doubled. What do you think?
2: I don't feel uh, like I have any the real Lord right sold. to apply on a Roku. I just don't feel like I did because I thought it was expensive in the 40s and 50s, and here it is in 70. It's gotten away from me. I'm not the call Roku. Let's go to Tom in Virginia. Tom. Hi, Jim. My daughter and I want to
4: know if now is a good time to buy CRISPR-4.
1: My college
2: friend. There you go. Oh, her college final. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't want to put in the college fine. It's a mad money idea, but a younger person should be thinking just about something like CRISPR. It's very speculative. Swiss company. I do like it though. Jack in Ohio. Jack.
1: Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. And I just started your book, Confessions of a Street Addict. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, a little different. Back, a little rough around the edges. What's going on? Hey, it's hovering right around five percent yield, and I can't find any bad news on it. Oke. Yeah, because there isn't any bad news on it. I think it's a buy. I really like that. I think it's a very good yield equivalent. Yeah, you know, for it's a really good fixed income play right here. It's come down a lot. Let's go to Derek in Texas. Derek.
3: Hey, good evening, Jim. Thank you for Mad Money.
1: Welcome. I uh, I have become a better investor
3: because of Mad Money.
1: Thank you. I rip re- Yes, I bought a I bought YEXT a year ago when you
2: recommended it. It is up 130. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they came on. They told a good story. Thank you.
1: Uh, my question today, Jim, is uh, Prudential P R U. I bought it some time ago and it has stubbornly stayed at 15 percent or so from where I got it. But I'm a retiree and it's a good. Dividend stock, is it worth holding or adding to it? How the it heck is that time? stock
2: down 15%? That's a good company. Strangfeld's doing a really good job. 3.7% yield. I'm going to endorse that right here. PRU. Let's go to Rose in New Jersey. Rose. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good, Rose. How are you doing? Good. I recently purchased at home. And now I'm reading and hearing some terrible reports. I don't know if I should hold on. or do It's, I it's too spec for me. I, don't, I keep thinking about what happened to floor and decor. Why not buy Home Depot? If it comes back to 200 I feel a lot better that situation. Jeff in Maryland. Jeff. A big booyah to you, Jim, from Kent Island, Maryland on the Chesapeake, home to the best crabs on the planet. I hadn't known that. I learned that today. What's up? Hey, I invested in a stock, IQ, that's a video stock in China, uh, known as the
1: next Netflix of China. I invested in the stock about several months back in the
2: mid-30s. It shot up to 44, but it's sitting in the mid to high 20s now and wanted to see how you feel. I'm recommending no Chinese stock right now. I don't like the way the PRC is trying to pop up stocks. And by the way, if the president looked at all the junk that they're issuing on the New York Stock Exchange, I think what the president would say is, you know what? Hey, China, until you get your act together, we don't want your IPOs. But that would involve a kind of big chain of think there, you know. Let's go to Gallon in Illinois. Gallon. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How about you? Hey, Great. Hey, um, I got a
1: question for you about a medical device company. Um, Some analysts are saying this thing could be the next intuitive surgical in the long term. Um, It's TransEntrix, T-R-X-C. I'm familiar
2: with it, but there is no next ISRG as long as there is ISRG, which I saw was running today and some very good. They solved a big patent issue. You just keep buying ISRG. That's the one to do. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round.
3: The lightning round. Is sponsored by
1: TD Ameritrade.
2: What does it mean when the National Federation of Independent Business tells us that small business optimism is at its best levels ever, at 108.8, according to the latest survey? Who's making money off that? I mean, this is mad money, right? What pattern should we be watching? First, let's stipulate that this kind of reading is very hard for Wall Street to process. Small businesses are off the radar because, well, they're they're small. Professional money managers care about big business and medium business, but small businesses outside their area of expertise. And that's why they're so easy to miss. But When you actually look at them, they're on fire. Many small businesses are simply ignored. Consider a company like HD Supply, which is an industrial distributor that provides half a million customers with everything they need for construction, maintenance, and repair jobs. If you go to the website, you can see they carry all of the major construction brands. They're having a big sale right now on saws. You can buy w- wrenches galore. Get this, there's a free case of marking paint when you order four cases right now. In short, HD Supply is the site for small businesses to get their goods. What else? Try starting a new business without visiting a Granger, which has a hammerlock on maintenance, repair, and operating supplies. Like HD Supply, it's got lots of tools, pumps, electrical equipment. Granger has what you want when you need it, 24-7. Technical service, vital for small business. You want an automotive? Well, do you know that many of the AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, and Genuine Parts stores are having a hard time stocking all the goods they need? Who like that. We spent a lot of time trying to figure out who is taking share in this industry. It tends to be companies like Analog Devices, NXP Semi, and Illinois Toolworks within the actual car. We know the auto fleet isn't growing as fast as it used to, in part because new cars are better designed and last longer. But they still need to be repaired, and many of them are off warranty, which means you have to take them to independent outfits. Vehicles are so complicated these days that almost all the smaller enterprises need diagnostics. So consider Snap-on a winner. It's in the wheelhouse. The stock's been really acting well lately. What else do businesses need? Well, how about pickup trucks? Hence why the Ford 150 is so strong. You need uniforms. That's Cintas. They're totally dominant after merging with the principal competitor, GK Services, 18 months ago. But honestly, the real winners from the surge in small business optimism are Etsy and Square. Etsy is the great equalizer. It's got 1.9 million sellers creating items that can't be found in the mall. It matches them with 33 million buyers. Etsy is so popular they raised their cut from 3.5% of each transaction to five. Nobody batted an eyelash. These are individuals making all kinds of handcrafted goods, and they now have an outlet that lets them sell a huge number to, to a huge number of people. Etsy has a group by holiday, so it's really easy for, say, my daughter to buy me cufflinks that can't be found anywhere else, or to make and sell silkscreen pillows and placemats that are to die for. Finally, there's the ultimate small business play. It's called Square, SQ. You know it. We talk about it endlessly from when it was 12. When you own a small business, you need a point of sale system, POS. Square's got an expensive one, I think. But so what? They're making thousands of loans to small businesses exactly like the ones who responded so positively to the latest survey. Square's in a fabulous position to make their loans because they see the daily receipts. They know who can afford it and who can't. These are the outfits that benefit from the strength in small business. Granted, most of these stocks are at their highs. You might have to wait, but why not buy them on any weakness? Domestic growth levered to small business. I think that's precisely where you need to be. Stick with Kramer. 10 years since the collapse of Lehman and what led to the worst financial crisis in generations. For look at that time, including interviews with Paulson, Geithner, Buffett, and Diamond, don't miss Crisis on Wall Street, the week that shook the world, reported by our own Andrew Ross Sorkin tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
0: Sometimes it takes a different approach